0: Why is nihilism so big in pop culture today? If you're interested in that question, you're probably our target audience. Welcome to The Overthinkers. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of The Overthinkers podcast. I am your host, Joseph Holmes, film critic, filmmaker, and genius in my own mind. <laughs> and, oh, yeah, me. Yeah, you, you also are here. I have a co-host here.
1: <laughs> I am here. I got lost in the joke. Uh, I am Nathan <laughs> Clarkson, actor, author, filmmaker. Oh, shoot. I was going to add something every time. Um, um, I can't think of any more talents I have. Oh, I can beatbox and professional Ooh. beatboxer. I actually got paid to do that in a movie that's on Netflix and I'm in the credits and I got paid to beatbox. I kid what? you not. Yep. What, well, tell us the movie. The movie is called Wolves, W-O-L-V-E-S. It has Michael Shannon in it. And I got paid to do ADR over someone else, an actor who couldn't beatbox. I was hired to go in and do the beatboxing for this character. And you can find me in the credits, I kid you not. That is fun trivia. And I hope
0: that nobody will go and look for you after this.
1: (laughs) (laughs) If you do, you get a $5 gift certificate to your favorite coffee shop, which you're not allowed to go to right now.
0: (laughs) Anywho, so. Well, thank you. I know this is exactly what you tuned in for today, um, but we are about to talk today about very interesting, very important topic. We are talking about nihilism in modern, postmodern, popular art. Uh, nihilism, yes, it is having a huge resurgence in popular culture due to like so many like TV shows and memes being you know, about the nihilism idea that there is no meaning to life. And as depressing as that sounds, that is extremely popular in most, some of the most popular shows today, like Rick and Morty, BoJack Horseman, which just ended, uh, the Ricky Gervais' TV show, After Life, And beyond that, in the new popular art form of memes and meme making, that is very popular among millennials and Gen Z. It's practically how we communicate. Depression memes, which has actually been a coined term, is a thing. Is it really? Yeah, depression memes. And they explain the phenomenon on the YouTube uh, show Wisecrack, which is our entertaining philosophy uh, uh, YouTube show. But the idea of making memes where the whole point is life is meaningless, I want to die is the whole point of it. It has a name, Depression Memes. It's so crazy. Wow. So we're seeing now this, this rise in meaninglessness of life as a part of popular art and culture. And that makes sense, given that millennials and Gen Z are experiencing, are the generation that is having the greatest rise and growing rise of depression, anxiety, and suicide um so my my so it doesn't it makes sense that you would have art perhaps that reflects that that you know the meaninglessness of life but today we're going to talk about sort of questions larger questions of like why the nihilism is having its popularity why is that a the case and what it says for the future of art and the kind of art that we're going to create uh so nathan clarkson you don't typically talk about how life is meaningless. The only time that I ever hear you say that is when you're waiting for the next season of Rick and Morty. <laughs> uh, so what do you think is the appeal of, well, so let's put, let's start this way. What kind of nihilism and the way that they're, the portraying nihilism in, in these indie shows and these things is uh, reflected in this art and why do you think it resonates with so many people
1: that's interesting and i have so many thoughts on this particular topic because so much of the art i really enjoy has very nihilistic undertones and just for anyone who who doesn't know um or isn't familiar with that term as much yes it basically means the world has no meaning the world you don't have meaning i don't have meaning nothing really matters because Ultimately, the sun is going to explode. The earth is going to end. All matter will collapse upon itself. Nothing really matters. And that's kind of the, I think it's almost a logical conclusion um, of maybe atheism um, on that. If you push it far enough, you get to nihilism. Nothing really matters without a God, without meaning, without purpose, without heaven, whatever it is. You can think all those are, are ridiculous, totally fine. But you kind of, you get to this place where if there is nothing beyond what we see, Um, then nothing really matters. We're all just going to die. We're all just going to disappear. So nothing matters. You don't matter. I don't matter. So I think... I mean, it is interesting. You, you and I this. don't
0: matter, but yes, that go on. Yes.
1: <laughs> hey, speak for yourself. I am a child <laughs> of God. Um, <laughs> I, I, it is interesting that this this rise in uh, the nihilistic themes that you see taking place in so much of our media today. And was interesting as you were talking about some of the shows in which it arises. Um, the the out of the three shows you mentioned, two of them are cartoons uh, that's my radio yeah. everybody i am doing this from a, a studio apartment <laughs> um but two of those shows that have this nihilistic nothing matters sad depressing thing are cartoons and the third one is um is a show created by a comedian someone yeah it's like all these shows it's interesting to see you have these really bright cool. colors and funny jokes and silliness happening um, you have the comedians who's making fun and making everyone laugh and in the heart of these shows is nothing really Matters, hmm. and so it's interesting to me that these themes are so apparent in something that would seem so opposite. Um, these depressing themes are taking place in silly, fun, happy shows, quote unquote, happy. And I don't necessarily know what that means, but if I had to hazard a guess as to why this um, this ideology, this philosophy, uh, this way of thinking, um, why it has an appeal in our culture, is because I think you know, have you even looked at the history of where we've moved in the postmodern era where morality doesn't mean anything. Um, I think people are confronting the world and the philosophy of if we leave God, you know, as Nietzsche said, if if we leave God behind, then we're left with this very scary world. And like we said, the logical conclusion is, Nihilism, nothing matters. And so people are coming to terms with this in this modern day culture and society. And whatever people are coming to terms with in their own hearts and their own minds, we're going to see reflected, we're going to see that reflected in our art because we use art to, um, uh, to, to mirror what we're feeling on the inside. Whatever generation's feeling on the inside, you'll find it reflected in the art of the day. And right now, I think the, the real art of the day is for a long time, we tried to find, and you still see, we tried to find meaning beyond God. We tried to find, okay, well, we don't need God anymore, but let's try to make our own meaning, our own purpose. And I think a lot of millennials um, are coming to the terms with the fact that, okay, well, we got rid of God and there is no meaning. We, sure. we tried to make our own and it didn't work. And so we're here, we're left with no God and no meaning. What do we do? And pretty much what you see in this, why I think it's interesting about the comedies and cartoons is, well, at least we can laugh. And I think that laughing at it, I think that um, that giggling at it or making it silly, takes some of the edge off the pain that, uh, of yeah. the reality that nihilism brings. And I think there's something that's weirdly, strangely comforting or cathartic about laughing at the reality that nothing matters if, if that's the reality um, that you are presented with. And so I think that's one of the reasons you see it not only reflected in our art today, but you see it reflected in our comedies today. That's a really excellent point because the you do see that
0: so prevalent that it it's comedies that people are doing. But that's really, I mean, you know, nothing new under the sun. When Mm. nihilism was first introduced, um, and it's, you know, an existentialism as an extension of that, as a manifestation of that, you did see these different responses. Because that's one of the things people talk about, you know, there's the kind of nihilist that we think about, which is the 13-year-old who wants to get attention and say that he's smarter than everyone who (laughs) reads Nietzsche and is like, nothing matters. But... The nihilism just says there's no meaning. It doesn't tell you what to do from there. And lots of people have said, okay, life is meaningless. Now what? And the existentialists like, you know, Sartre and Albert Camus, you know, with often said, okay, well, that means that you can create your own meaning. What is the meaning of your life? How do you Mm -hmm. make life meaningful to yourself? And I think that that's, and so that was the answer they came up with, okay, do you self-create? Albert Camus did a lot of comedies and comedic ideas like, okay, you can, he was part, helped to create and sort of uh, absurdism kind of nihilism. Because it's like, right, it's like you can, there's a joke that actually now I see a a cup of, a coffee cup, there's a coffee cup that has the Albert Camus with his quote on it that says, shall I kill myself or have a cup of coffee? Hmm. And Because both of those things are equally valid. And so, you know, if everything's meaningless, then why not laugh? Why not enjoy it? You know, you can have no meaning, but you can still enjoy life. And I think that's really interesting about these modern nihilistic shows is that that's what they, well, it's one of the many things that they say is that, okay, sure, you can say life is meaningless, but that doesn't mean you can't still love other people you know, Rick. Uh, afterlife, you know, is, have all struggling with that. I don't think life is meaningful. I don't think there's a God, but I still care about people. I still want what's best for them. So I might as well do that. Mark Harmon, who is the, um, who is the creator of Rick and Morty, he actually, in an interview, was very explicit. He said, when you go cosmically, there's no meaning. But when you zoom in, on a family, on an individual. I mean, they care about each other. They are meaningful to each other. And so that is, you love this person, you want to spend time with them. Great, you might as well do that. Why not? There's a, basically an episode of Rick and Morty, I forget what it's now called, somebody's gonna get mad at me, but it's the episode where uh, Morty is explaining to his sister that he's actually from another dimension and this dimension's Morty and Rick are dead. And he says that, you know, yeah, like nothing matters. So let's just go watch TV. It's like, mm-hmm. why not?
1: And, and that's pretty much what this generation does. We pretty yeah. much go, okay, nothing matters. Let's binge Netflix and like memes. And I know that's a total, di- uh, you know, I'm diluting a lot how of reality it. of this, but, <laughs> but that is kind of how we've reacted. That, that, in, that, in that sentence, he's diluting an entire culture into what we're doing. Let's, right, nothing matters. Let's go watch TV.
0: But so how did we, so you brought up an interesting
1: point I want to also touch on
0: because you said, okay, we killed God. And like that's the thing when, when we, nihilism first came about and existentialism for, uh, partly first came about where you said, okay, we've basically science, philosophy has disproven God. And so God is matter and therefore, okay, a whole bunch of other things go along with it. And so generations, you made the point that generations that lose God tend to say eventually lose meaning itself. Um, and I want to kind of touch on that because one of the things I was thinking about is that we have always had like different explanations of what's going to give life meaning, you know, the Greek philosopher said, okay, life sucks. And so then just, you know, don't care so much. Um, and, you know, brief his- the book of brief history of thought touches on this. Where it, says that, where it says that what Christianity was able to offer is say, yeah, but we have the resurrection. So you actually don't have to die. And so that can give life more meaning than just not caring so much. And then we can also create the kingdom of heaven on earth and make that, you know, God will restore all things. But then you had like the corruption in the church and, um, and, and then, you know, the, and the religious wars. And people were like, okay, we can't find salvation through that uh let's let's say maybe we can find salvation through patriotism like you know, our our country um and then you know said okay no we can't that doesn't work we're just having more wars we're going to find it through economics and you get you know communism totalitarianism we have science okay that doesn't actually you know cause people to be less evil you know martin luther king jr said you know oh you know our uh, our scientific ability has eclipsed our moral ability we have guided missiles and misguided men. Um, mm-hmm. Then w- because of him, a lot of times people said, okay, we can find meaning through activism. We can make the world, change the world to save the world through activism. And then decades later, that hasn't worked. And to me, that is really what the modern nihilism is, is that everything we thought was gonna save us, didn't, including activism. Activism has yet to create what it has promised. I mean, there, it's made a lot of things better, but it hasn't fixed a lot of the problems. And so I wonder, I guess in, I'll in say some it like,
1: cases, it almost makes things worse. In some cases, it makes some things better, some things worse, but it doesn't yeah. actually, like you're saying, fix the problems that really lie at the root of this whole thing.
0: Yeah. So you think like, I mean, maybe it's that disappointment
1: in the
0: failures of all the other answers that have been given that maybe are at the root of this explosion of, of nihilism,
1: yeah. It's, it's interesting uh, going back to kind of what you're saying about what Dan Harmon said about the, when you pull out in the macro, there is no meaning. Obviously as someone who believes in God, I don't believe when you pull out right. to the macro, you cannot see that there's intention, uh, behind the universe. Um, but I respect his, his, um, his view that y- you think when you pull out, you don't see that. And I, and I have a soft spot in my heart for the work he does. Um, he, uh before rick and morty he made a show called community which i love obviously rick uh uh, community was um actually the first uh real role i had in hollywood so i have some of a a soft spot you can see me for a split second and i have one line on community so it's that's fun so i but i i went home and i actually started watching the show and i saw um Dan Harmon and his, he, I would say he's one of the bo- leading voices of modern nihilism. Yeah. Uh, but I saw his his heart behind the show, which is, okay, so there is no meaning to life. But like you said, maybe we can find it in the micro. Maybe right. we can't find the macro and ultimate big, meaningful things like who who are we? We're here for a purpose. But maybe we can find it in the day-to-day pleasures and, and a, a family or whatever it might be, relationships. And what's interesting to me about that is they... Um, project this logic, right? That there is no meaning to life, and they say it. Uh, we found out that nothing really matters, and you hear Rick Sanchez, uh, the main character Rick and Morty, say this over and over again. You hear it in all these different shows, whether it's BoJack, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, life doesn't have meaning, but then they go back on that logic almost immediately, and they start looking for meaning again. Right. So you have this—you have this guy, this scientist, who figure out that the the world has no meaning, and then immediately. He starts looking for meaning again. And there's this great scene in Rick and Morty. we're talking about Rick and Morty because the new episode just came out and people are talking about yes. it. And we will and we will definitely dissect that a little bit. But this great scene in which uh Rick, the guy who keeps on saying life doesn't matter, who cares? It doesn't matter, is about to give his life. I'm not getting too much away, um, but he's about to give his life for someone he loves. And this is totally Antithetical to the character that we've come to know, right. who just doesn't care about people, that nothing has meaning. And he's about to give up the only thing he'll ever have, his life, for someone he loves for no explainable reason. And if you ask him, you probably say some evolutionary you know, tendency. Right. But ultimately, th- he's the smartest man in the universe. He's about to give his life, which makes no sense. And he does it willingly because he loves this other person. Um, and you see him as he's, as he's plunging to his death. Um, he starts praying he put, he's got this atheist this guy doesn't believe in god but he starts praying god please 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 save me god, please save me and then right. the second he finds out that he's okay and he doesn't end up dying he goes i don't need you god uh, a lot more <laughs> exactly. excellent place and it's it, isn't that what we do and i feel like sometimes and i don't, i don't mean it's an insult maybe it's a little bit of an insult but i feel like nihilists are a little bit like petulant children who scream to their parents I don't need you and then ask for you know chicken nuggets because they're hungry um and so sometimes it feels like when these art- these artists who in- import nihilism into their stories um saying the life doesn't matter they end up having to rely on they, they go straight back on their logic and they go well Maybe there is a little bit of meaning, you know, here, there. Right. Can you can you feed me just this little bit because I'm hungry? I need some sort of meaning. I need some sort of arc. I need some sort of conclusion. Something that makes this all worth it. So maybe I, you know, yeah, maybe it's not the big ones, but you know, maybe I can find it. My family or my friends um and those kind of things so it's interesting that even after they say nothing has meaning they have to go back on that logic and immediately start looking for meaning again and it might be in a different place it might be a different scale but they're still looking for meaning which tells me that at the heart of mankind there is always going to be no matter what they think no matter what they discover or find or assert they're always going to be searching for meaning and to me that that intrinsic desire that we have in our hearts to find meaning, to keep on looking for it. Even when we say we've come to terms that there is no meaning says something about um, the design of mankind itself. And that if we were conditioned, if we were, if we were made with a desire for meaning that maybe that there, we were made in the same, we were made to have hunger because we could be full. Maybe we're made with a desire for meaning because we can find it. Um, But it is interesting to watch this play out um, in the artwork created by nihilists that they say there, nothing matters one second and the very ne- next second, they're on their search for meaning again in a different way, different scale or different shape, but they still are looking for meaning. So I, that's a lot of words to say. Um, it's just interesting to watch it play out and watch even in the nihilist and the atheist kind of thought of this day, still say, but there's gotta be something. There's gotta be something. Well, that's an excellent and,
0: point because the what's interesting, the nihilism art of this day is showing the idea that The world has no meaning but we have to act like it does in order to be happy that is Mm. the message of these modern nihilistic shows of this modern of even even memes are trying to make this bridge of human connection between people through the shared um misery of meaningless of life it is a way of creating that meaning in that community and so it shows yes we are if even the nihilists cannot break themselves from the fact that, in order to be happy, they need to have meaning, then it means it is inbred into human beings. Um, whether or not you think that that's an accident of evolution, or you believe it's because it's true, you are left sort of with two choices: either you have to lie to yourself in order to be happy. You know, Tim Keller talks about like you have to you know, he, he, and you maybe think that this formulation is unfair, but it, how our story gets at my point, that, you know, as a, as a Christian, the more you think about the way the lo- world really is, the better it gets. But when you're an atheist, the more you think about the way the world really is, like you said at the beginning, everything is going to die, the sun's gonna go out, um, the, the more unhappy it gets. And I think, you know, like, you know, you might disagree with Tim Keller on that, but as we become less religious, people are becoming more depressed, anxious, and suicidal. And that is a, that is a very empirical, uh, you know, uh, phenomenon. Um, I think another interesting thing is, you know, another artist that deals a lot with this is Christopher Nolan. Because, mm. you know, there's a line in The Prestige where he has, at the very end, he has one of the characters say that we do magic, you know, we're two magicians, we do magic, um, because everybody knows that the world is meaningless, but we can fool them in, for a moment into thinking that it's not. And all of his stories, you know, from, you know, the Dark Knight and Memento and Prestige and Inception are all about people finding uh, that, that they're unhappy because the world sucks. You know, it's like whether you're in Gotham, whether you're, you know, it's like your wife is dead. If you're in Kirsten and your wife is probably dead um (laughs) it's a good thing i'm not in christopher nolan exactly yes hey honey Um,
1: you still okay in there
0: (laughs) um well maybe you're just not the protagonist in any case but don't say that i have a big (laughs) ego you can't say that to an actor oh man (laughs) um but all but the thing is the only way that um people can find meaning in their life is if they lie about their lives themselves whether again it's like if, if you know um, you know, the, the villain, you know, the, the hero of, of Memento, whether it's, you know, in Inception, you know, creating fantasy worlds, whether it's Batman, you know, create this myth about yourself. The only way in order to be happy is to create a lie about yourself, but that lie causes new problems. And so there's just always this dialectic in Christopher Nolan movies of what do we do? What do we do? Like, because life is meaningless, but in order to be, you know, life sucks. And the only way to make life better is to lie about it, but that creates other problems. To which the finally interstellar, they have this line where, I mean, you have essentially somebody who has the philosophy of Rick Sanchez from Rick and Morty, who says, love is just, you know, a biological breeding and social utility function. Mm. And somebody says, well, what if it's not, what if it's actually part of the makeup of the universe? And if that is, it's, it we're responding to something real, we're not responding to something fake. What if that was true? And the whole movie is an exploration of that. What if that, that was true? Now uh, see
1: the Go thing ahead. is, I would—I I thought it was interesting—the makeup of the universe. Even those those words—they uh, they incite images of someone creating something, right? So it's interesting. They even have to borrow, I would say, theistic words yes. to explain something away. And I, I have a quote, real quick. and I'll let you continue. Of course. Um, here, that I read—I read in a book last night called "Thoughts from a Tiltal World" by Indy Wilson, mm. and I just thought that was interesting. I don't quite understand it totally yet, but I, there's something there that I think applies here but he said Marx called religion an opiate. You know, as we know, uh, Marx called uh, religion the opiate of the people. Oh, good old Marx. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And often it is, and and that's what's kind of used a lot of times to bolster that that thought process to bolster the nihilistic thing. Oh, wake up and realize that life has no meaning. That you're kind of just taking an opiate uh, to trick yourself into thinking that life has meaning and and religion is that opiate. Um, But he goes on to say, Marx called religion an opiate, and all too often it is, but philosophy is an anesthetic, a shot to keep mm. the wonder away. Mm. And I thought that was really interesting, especially what you're saying with uh, Christopher Nolan and uh, his films and his his struggle to find meaning, because um, it feels like he hasn't totally gone to the dark side. And right. to all my nihilist friends, I love you, but you totally are on the dark side. <laughs> um, and but but it's interesting to keep the wonder away. And with nihilism, it asserts. It, in the same unhealthy way that a religion can, that it doesn't matter that we, nothing is there to be known. Sure. And on the other side of that is, we don't know everything, but there is always an infinite world to wonder, marvel at, and to uh, find new things, new life, new discovery. And that is what keeps me believing in a creator, in a God, um, because I love the idea that there's more out there than I can understand where nihilism says, we've seen it all, we know it all, nothing matters. So one is a, is a statement and the other is an unfinished sentence and I'd so rather live in an unfinished sentence that I know could become something beautiful or great and that I'll see uh, unfold throughout throughout my, um, my conscious life um, as opposed to just agreeing wholeheartedly uh, with a period that nothing matters. We already know everything. So that it is interesting that it steals wonder and wonder yeah. is where beauty is created. Well, it's an interesting
0: thing to point out because, you know, there's, there's a lot of similarities between Rick and Morty and Doctor Who in terms of it's, you know, Doctor Who, you have somebody who can go through all of time and space and he still looks at the world and says, wow, this is beautiful. It's wonderful. And then you have Rick and Morty that says, you know, life is meaningless um, and it's all kind of, you know, silly. And it's a, so it's a, it's a comedy, whereas Doctor Who is a, is a drama. And so there's different ways people have of looking at the universe when they decide that there's no God. But it's true that, you know, the whenever people decide there is no God, the rise of nihilism and existentialism, it, it takes over, you know, it takes over, you know, the, the uh, philosophers, and then the politics. I mean, you know, the rise of Nazism and communism were run by people who bought into the idea that God was dead. And so that we had to make Mm. the world in our image. That said, one thing I'm interested in is why is it that people today believe that this is the best answer? Because it's easy for, uh, you know, me and you as Christians to say, you've got the wrong answer. But, Why is it that we, you know, people look at, you know, people our age, our generation particularly, but not just us say, this is the best answer that's out there is the idea that there are no answers. Life is meaningless, but we can still, um, we can still enjoy our life and even be ethical because we care about other people. We want to do good, even though there's no reason for it. Why do people think that that's the best answer that there is available?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I don't know if they think it's the best. I think it's the one they have to live with because we haven't, and by we, I mean just culture, religion, society, we haven't given them a lot of great options otherwise, a lot of alternatives. I think for better, for worse, the church failed at igniting the wonder Hmm. of life for this generation. Hmm. Um, And because it got diluted to moralism and it got diluted to, we got rid of the relationship aspect. We got rid of the wonder, the beauty, the mystery. And we got rid of all the things that makes being a Christian, being a believer, something worthwhile. And we got rid of all of them and we diluted everything down to a list of morals and traditions. Mm -hmm. And they're lifeless morals and traditions. And so I think as kids grew up in those, First, realizing that they're never going to live up to the moralists, none of us can. That's kind of the whole yeah. point if you read you know, the story of Jesus, but it doesn't matter the church still told them, you have to live up to this, whether it's purity culture, whether it's don't drink, don't dance, whatever it is, they realize, okay, I'm never gonna live up to this, one. Two, why would I want to? And when I can't, why would I, with the threat of eternal damnation, what in the world am I doing here? Um, And what is drawing me here when they've never actually had a relationship with their creator, nothing that ignites their hearts, their imaginations, the beauty, why would any of this be something that would be magnetic or uh, anchor me enough to stay here when they finally do go into the world and the world says, it's all stupid, it's all ridiculous. Nothing there is holding them there to be compelling enough um, there is never compelling enough a worldview to actually say there 's something beautiful here you should stick around for, and so if you 're left with the two views of uh, basically life doesn 't matter on one side with you know what modern culture tells us yeah. there is no meaning, there is no purpose, blah blah blah, um, but you can do whatever you want and you can have fun and there 's no consequences, or on the other hand, you have a totally imaginationless, beautyless um, uh, moralistic uh, institution that basically says life is terrible as well, but you also can't do anything fun and you can't live, <laughs> then you're gonna choose the one that says, because uh, they both kind of say that life doesn't matter. And honestly, yeah. the heaven that they offer in, in a lot of the, the, the church that we've created doesn't sound like a place you wanna be anyway. So out of these two worldviews, you're gonna go one with the one that seems most real. And what seems most real, if you haven't been given a real vision of who God is, um, is the one that where there is nothing. And you're also gonna go with the one that says you can live however you want, it doesn't matter. So I think, uh, you know, it, it's interesting though that we've come to a place where we're reveling in it. I like, it's interesting yeah. that you brought up the meme culture earlier because when you look, when I was studying Nietzsche a while ago, you find he wasn't happy, really, about his findings. Like when, no. when he was when he was talking about God being dead and us living in a post-God society, he was actually warning people. He yeah. was saying, this is gonna have a terrible terrible effect on the world and he believed it he didn't believe that there was a god he didn't believe that there was meaning but he knew the effect it would take on people and how it'd be a bad thing he was unhappy about it and now i think we're trying to reconcile the reality of us moving past needing god or believing in god and saying okay well let's laugh at it that that's an interesting um to yeah. me that we're now laughing and reveling. And I, I see memes. I mean, these are unpopular Instagram sites or Facebook sites yeah. where people are laughing about suicide and like, yeah. boy, I wish I could just die today. Like that yeah. would be preferable. And we're all like laughing and liking. And I, I get it. I'm not criticizing um, you know, someone that had that reaction, but it is interesting to me that we've come to this place where there's actually almost a revelry in life, not having meaning. And I think it's because we have to, because if we yeah. looked at it too hard, it would break us. If we looked at the lack of meaning in life too closely, it would destroy us. And we would have to come into contact with our desire again for purpose and meaning, and we can't do that because the only alternative has only hurt us, has only been um, small-minded, painful, and unimaginative, so we, we have to laugh at what we've been given. It's a lot of words, I hope something there makes sense. But yeah, it is interesting to see the dichotomy between laughing at the nihilism of today and Nietzsche going, I believe this, but it's not gonna be good, this is gonna be bad, we should not yeah. get rid of this. That's an excellent point. I think that we really have to
0: reckon with the absolute sort of destruction of the answers that people have been given. Like I said, you know, religion, people look at that and say, that hasn't worked. They look at science and they say, that hasn't worked. You look at, you know, social justice. I mean, people, we literally have a word now, a derogatory word for social justice warriors, which is, you know, they're they're the, you know, the liberals from like the 1960s who said, we're gonna change the world and save the world and make it better and every, everybody's making fun of them for, you know, spoiling our fun, you know? so. <laughs> and and because it's like oh my gosh you haven't actually made the world better you've just made it less fun you know that's you know, another way of putting it
1: and which is pretty much what the um the, the, i don't know how to say the puritanical kind of yeah. um 20th century church did they just made the world less fun they didn't make it more beautiful more wondrous more enjoyable they just they gave us a really really um a, a, a boring and also constrictive yeah. and very often painful box to live inside right and so
0: everybody wants to believe that in a kingdom of heaven, that the world can be a place of, it's great and wonderful. And that, you know, you, that it's, it's full of wonder and it's not meaningless. And I guess, like we said, we know that because even the nihilists are like, yes, we have to make up meaning, even if we can't find it. Um, uh, Jordan Peterson has talked a lot about the fact that, you know, if you, You can't make choices and you can't live life without creating a hierarchy of values, without saying some things are more important than another. And you can't have a society if you don't all agree on what things are important than others. There's a lot of people who are saying like, look, you have to have this. However, it's also true that nobody has answers that anybody thinks are good. And we've been disappointed by answers for so long. I think we have to reckon with, that is what the devastation that has put on our culture. Um, I'll give an example of this. My favorite song in Frozen Two, which was a movie I absolutely love. <laughs> you love Frozen Two. I love Frozen Two. I will defend that. Uh, <laughs> but there's a line in the song where it says, "Where um it all is lost, hope is gone, but I must go on and do the next right thing." Mm. And that story is about people discovering that the culture that they thought was, the, the kingdom and the culture and the heritage their parents and grandparents that they thought were so wonderful actually were really horrible. And that their heritage is not one that's based on something that's good, but it's one that's based on something that's evil. Nietzsche talked about this as well, where he said that, you know, you have, make up all of these wonderful stories about the history and the founding of your countries. But actually their country was founded because a strong guy with a sword killed other people with, you know, and took over. A bigger and, sword, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Exactly. And so we're entering a stage of that kind of nihilism. We're like, oh, our culture was not found, you know, as um, Sean King said, you know, our culture was not founded on freedom and Christianity. It was founded on slavery and oppression. And the, that, what that means is you cannot move forward based on a story of history and say like, you know, the reason that I am going to love others is because God first loved me. You can't say that anymore because you don't believe that God first loved me, but I'm going to love others anyway because otherwise I can't do anything else. And the thing about that is it's extremely similar to the ending of Rashomon, which is a classic old Japanese movie about people who are trying to create a just, you know, trying to, you know, there's, there's somebody has been murdered, you know, and it's like, okay, we've got to be able to you know, solve this, but everybody gives a different version of the story and they don't know how to solve it and the end of it is we don't actually know what the truth is there's no way of actually determining the truth but there's a child here that needs to be protected and cared for so we're going to do that we're going to we're going to do the right thing and we're going to go into the future even though we don't have a past and the thing is you think wow that's so depressing and nihilistic yeah it came out of japan right after the bombing (laughs) of you know and the end of world war ii where the entire city was just
1: identity. wiped off the earth.
0: Yeah, where their emperors said, oh yeah, the Shinto religion, everything, you know, the fact that emperors were gods, all that was untrue. Your history, everything you thought believed them is untrue. And I think that our culture, our history, has had the ideological equivalent of, you know, an atomic bomb being dropped on us.
1: Hmm. That's, you know, that, that's interesting. It's, I think... It's funny, and, and I uh, hesitate to say this because it's gonna be a little broad with a brush, but as I'm looking at why people left religion, why people left the church, and why they drift into this, this acceptance of nihilism, it's because I think it wasn't that far of a drift, to be completely honest, because we, we Ooh, always think oh, people went from, you know, religion on one spectrum, totally to nihilism, the other, other section, you know, post God. But if I'm looking at, especially American, American Christianity, in the 20th century, what I see is very often a religion that is post-God. It removed God from the equation. And I know that sounds funny. And, and, uh, like, well, hold on. No, he's in everything, but he wasn't. It, the, the focus no longer became on him. It Mm. became on you do this, you do that. This is a tradition. We we removed God from our churches, just like we removed God from our culture. So I think from rejecting, uh, church and religion and go into nihilism is about as far a distance as walking outside the door on the steps. I think they're pretty much one and the same. I'd say that God got removed both from modern philosophy and science, just like he got removed from modern church. And while you have that people in different political spectrum saying, no, 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 this is what I think God got removed out of everything. And the only true way to find meaning, and I know this sounds a little um, extreme, but- The is extreme. Oh, okay, I'm gonna be extreme. I hope this doesn't come back to bite me, um, but it's okay if it does. Um, every artist has to cause some controversy, so maybe this is my moment. Exactly. Um, but I think if I'm, if I'm being honest, I would say um, both the, the modern church and modern culture got rid of God, and the only way to truly find meaning Is to find God, and I mean that apart from the the traditions. I mean that apart from the the empty traditions, empty traditions, empty moral laws, and apart from the modern society take on. Well, we have to create our own meaning. The modern society take that nothing matters. So I think we have to get rid of all of those and say, okay, get back to the basics. Am I created? If I'm created, then I was created with purpose. What is my purpose? And it starts there and we have to kind of uh start all over again kind of erasing both the religious that's void of god and the culture that's void of god and if we want to find true meaning it will be found in the creator but we but i think a lot of places we think we found god um he wasn't there and i'd say culture is just a little more honest about it not um, having God but it is interesting that is some about. hot tea you just spilled there <laughs> I am feeling this
0: in the you know church tonight uh, the spirit is moving <laughs> I want to I want to I want to um, emphasize your point point because I think this is really interesting like, Both both the points you made both that basically our culture has been emptied of God even of the people who claim they believe in God and that the only way to actually find meaning is through God. I wanna, I wanna emphasize and, and uh, back up both of those, your points in a, for a moment. The, uh, James Davidson Hunter, I believe his name is, wrote a book called The Secular Age, which I have not read, but many people smarter than I am have read it and have summarized it to me in a way that I hope <laughs> I will be able to, um, I will be able to um, regurgitate here in a way that does justice to the thoughts. And if not, all the people out there who have read it, be sure to correct me and we will talk about it later in another broadcast. In any case, he talked about the fact that essentially, you know, and people like Francis Bacon and people like others, uh, philosophers, did actually try to make society be based upon something, stuff other than God, because they were afraid of the fact that religious wars were destroying everything. And they said, okay, we're going to build our world peace based on economics. Because if you don't, you know, if people are trading with each other, they're not going to try to kill each other. And we have so successfully made our society secular in the sense that, look, I get to, my life is based on the fact that, you know, I go out to work and I make, you know, I survive, you know, by making money and going out to work and then, you know, having time with my friends. If I don't go to church, I don't die. I die inside, but I don't die. There's things that our entire society is built so that, you know, it's oh, it's my own efforts that I get things done. It's through medical science that I'm healed. You know, all the things in our life every day that we act on and validate and validate us are things that say that the society is secular. Our whole lives are are built on acting as if the world is secular, even if it's not. Even Christians, Mm. our lives are, everyday lives are built on validating the idea that acting in a secular way is the way to live. But it's also true that when nihilism came into the world, when existentialism came into the world as philosophies, the only philosophers who were able to give a counter argument to the existentialists that said life was meaningless were the existentialist philosopher, Søren Kierkegaard, you know, mm. saying, yes, all of this that you're saying about life and its meaninglessness is true, but God. And Blaise Pascal said, yes, everything you're saying about life is meaningless, um, is true, but God. And the nihilists and existentialists didn't dispute that. They just said, yeah, but God isn't real. And so there is no meaning. And so mm. the answer is to, you know, to bring meaning back and bring in re-enchanting the universe is God, I believe, but... Oh, I, l- I love that.
1: Sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry. That's no, great, it's great.
0: Please tell me more about how you love what I said, yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, no I, I I love what you're saying and it's, I love the idea, but God, because it, it takes it past it, our, our moralistic, whether it's the social justice warriors moralistic or the church's moralistic, right. it takes it past our trying to make our meaning or, um, or, or find meaning in, in you know the, the traditions and in empty lists. It takes it past all of that and it puts it back The but God says at the end of all of that, those might have a purpose somewhere, but we have to go back to the beginning. It's the but God at the heart of it, what does it mean to to exist? Why do we exist? The the real question at the heart of every person, why am I here? And if I'm here, who put me here? And it gets back to that question. And I think it's there we begin our journey of discovering meaning. And I would be remiss to have an entire podcast about uh, modernity and nihilism if I didn't quote C.S. Lewis. And I, and there, I, I can't remember wh- which book this is, but C.S. Lewis, um, who struggled with all these questions of religion and moralism and nihilism and what it means and who we are. But at the end of the day, he said, if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the mm-hmm. most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Yeah. Meaning at the end of the day, no matter what you do, no matter what you make, what you think, uh, you can say it doesn't have meaning. You can be from uh, in the church and not believe in God. You can be in in, in culture and say there isn't meaning. But at the end of the day, when you look inside the design that that was implanted in you and you find yourself with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, that I'd say the most probable explanation is we were made for another world. And Mm -hmm. I would say, listen to that desire. Listen to that um, desire and let it be louder than all the voices from religion or culture that are screaming at you. Listen to the desire in your heart and say, why do I want this? And if I want this, who put the desire here and who is the answer to this desire? So uh, that leaves me with one more question, I would say.
0: And I have thoughts on this, but I would love for you to first take your stab at this How do we, if you and I believe that that is the answer, but there have been people before us who have also claimed that that was the answer and the people who are today, you know, rejecting the answer, aren't rejecting the answer because nobody has told them that before, or even nobody has tried to show them that before, but because they've looked at that and seen that and said, no, not into that what do you and I, and those listening who also believe that life is meaningful, what do we have to do to perhaps show that that answer is valid after
1: all? Hmm. My answer would be, this is just a very personal one and, and it's been on my own walk and, and, and struggle for meaning and finding what my life and who I was assigned to be and, and what it means and all this. But I would say that you know, there's a story in the Old Testament about Elijah and it's um, and essentially he he was looking for God, and first comes the wind and the rain and the storms, and it says God wasn't there, and then came I think it's a tornado and a fire, but God wasn't there, and the ro- roaring thunder, and then and, and then it said a gentle whisper came. And it was in there, God was found. And I think in this culture, we have such raging voices and noise in social media and people screaming, you need to do this. And this is true. And on and, 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 and every side of it, whether it's the church or, or social media or the culture or, or politics, or whatever it is, it's a lot of noise. And I'd say, if you can find a way to quiet the noise and try to listen to that still small voice that lives, I believe inside of all of us, this is there is meaning you do matter um, there is an answer to all this that there is something behind what you can see mm. I'd say try to find that still small voice away from all the noise and follow that. follow that still small thing whispering into your into your mind that there is purpose and design behind of all of this, and I think it's there we begin to the- the pathway to finding who we truly are, why we're truly here, and if we have meaning and but I think you have to eliminate the noise in some fashion or another. Uh, and try to get back to listening to, to that still small voice. And I think it is that you'll find it is a voice of God. That is beautiful. Um, Tearing up a little bit here. Tearing up a little
0: bit. (laughs) I, for me, I would say the answer is twofold. Um, I think that first of all, as an artist, I am biased. I think that creating great art that shows how beautiful it is and can be the answer that God gives. Um, I think that, you know, just the fact that there are so many people who still are religious, who are Christians, who believe in God, who believe that that's the way to go, even though that for about a hundred years, as long as there's been movies, let's say, you know, and longer, the primary artists who were telling us how to look at the world and shaping the way we think about the world were not Christians and were not, or at the very least were trying to construct a world outside of that faith is something that I think, um, and of course there's exceptions obviously, but the idea of saying let's actually make art that really shows why it's beautiful and why it's plausible that can resonate with people is something that I'm very passionate about doing. Mm. I there's a very, there's an episode we haven't touched on yet. And so I do want to touch on it. The, um, uh, the new episode, a recent episode of Rick and Morty called, uh, what was it, Never Ricking Morty or something like that, um, that was about them on a train, which was essentially a train of plot devices, a train of constructing narratives. Um, that was, that was basically trying to essentially do, you know, Rick and Morty could do anything and go anywhere and didn't have to be bound by narrative, by structure, by payoff. And there was a train that was trying to keep them trapped in the realm of, no, here's what a TV show does. Here's what stories do. And by extension, here's what human life is like. And here's what human life does. And it, you need that narrative, that structure. Whereas, you know, um, Rick and Morty, you know, are like, no, we don't need that um but in there they have this scene where it's you know where they essentially get an ending to their series which is them converting to christianity becoming christian <laughs> um and jesus saving them
1: um, hey i just want to point out that this they made fun of christians and we have two christians laughing here so we can be hilarious. fun sometimes too guys
0: no no it's <laughs> no it's true it's hilarious because they actually they literally like have you know rick do the whole, let's become Christians scene that you see in every Christian movie. And you could not do that as accurately as they did if you didn't know what you were talking about, which means they've watched that stuff.
1: <laughs> they know it. Someone, they know. They maybe even grew up in it. I don't even know. But yeah, I would not they be surprised. It.
0: But the thing is, this is an interesting thing. The thing is, this is all very complicated. One thing Rick says in the story is that nobody would want us actually to finish our story that way. And I remember looking at them and saying, "Actually, I know they never could because it's you know, it's it's a um, it's it's a, that's the, not the show what the show is, but they're not just saying nobody would want us to be you know them to end as Christians, but it's said no one would want us to end as a traditional payoff with a traditional narrative payoff." And I say, "Actually, I would because all of art, you know, Madeline Lengel wrote this book called Walking on Water, and she talks about all art is calling." cosmos out of chaos like you know you write words on a page and that's just disparate symbols that you turn into words and film is just disparate images that you pull together and you find meaning and even the rick and morty that's all about how destroying structures and having nothing matter it has a structure of a show that makes it pull together as meaningful and i think that everybody like you said we are built for that story and for that narrative and that meaning. And so if anybody halfway makes it plausible, people will jump at it and respond to it because they're human in that way. But the second mm. part of it, and I'll be much shorter on this, um, and I'll let you push back on it and tell me why I'm crazy. But I think it's, I really am saying, I want to live out what I believe in a way that makes it plausible because I think a lot of it is that people see what people say they believe and then what they actually do and what they believe. And it seems to be very different things. And I've been thinking mm. a lot about how everything that I say I believe about Christianity, why and about God, why are there so many places where it where I act like that's not true? And so thinking about ordering my life in a sense that I actually behave as if it is true. And perhaps if enough of us do that and enough people see that, then they will think it's a plausible way to live life.
1: I, you know i'm going I'll wrap up everything we've said right here, but I don't have any pushback. I totally agree, and I think it goes back to what you're talking about when you're talking about the living out, um, actually saying what do, doing what you say you believe. It goes back to you know on on a macro scale. I criticized earlier the church for living as if there was no God. They said they did; they had all the rules and stuff, but they lived as if there was no God. Yeah, they live is just traditions and morals. And then, you know, then we have culture, who's maybe a little more um, honest about it, mm-hmm. uh, about living without a God. Um, they they live without a God. And I think on a micro level in our own lives, if we want to find that meaning and that purpose, you're right. It's not just something we say. It's not just something we say we believe. It's something we act out in our actions. And so are we living as if we believe in God? Or are we living as if making choices, making decisions, we believe that there is no God, that God is dead? And so I think every day and every decision we make has to be informed why. Is this a decision that reflects someone who believes that there is a living God who's given me purpose and who give me value? Or is this a decision that says, I don't believe God. I I think God is dead. Mm. And I see so many people who even call themselves believers and then the choices they make are ones that people who think God is dead would make, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so, no, I love that. I I think it has to go from the macro all the way to the micro. Mm. What decisions are you making and how do they reflect what you actually believe? And are you making decisions in your life that reflect that you believe that life matters? That, that you have value, that there's purpose, and that there is a God, or are you making decisions in your life um, that don't believe that. And I think on both sides, both uh, both sides do. I think there hmm. are believers who act as if, who, who make choices as if there is no God. And funnily enough, I think there are nihilist <laughs> atheists who make choices as if there is. Hmm. That's it. That's it for me. <sighs> wow, man,
0: we... The spirit is in this room like this. This is the most like real, you know, hallelujah moment we've had on this podcast so far. Uh, This is pretty cool. Well, well, let us know whether or not you, this is a direction you want us to lean in or if you want us to never do this again. (laughs) (laughs) And we will not listen to what you say. We'll do what we want. Unless of course you give us, you subscribe to us. That's what we want you to do. Um, Download and subscribe. Um, All right, so let's wrap this up. Let's try to get a, you know, we've been going on this long. It was a lot of fun. But let's uh, move on to blesses and curses of the week because art happened this week for us and there is still stuff to bless and there is still stuff that's not good art and therefore we curse it. So, Nathan, do you have any art to bless and curse this week?
1: I have a bless and a curse and I'm going to do something a little uh, outside the form. Um, So, My bless this week is Rick and Morty. Mm. And uh, it's the new episode that came out and I I just applaud the creativity, the willingness to engage with the big questions of life, the character development, um, the ways they make me think, and the humor that makes me laugh. I I just think they do all of this in such a skillful, winsome, and ultimately just entertaining way. Mm. And so I love the way they deal with the biggest questions in the universe and they uh, do it in a incredibly silly, fun, enjoyable way. And my curse of the week is Rick and Morty. Uh, so, ooh, <laughs> ooh <twist>. and <laughs> So, and my curse is this. Um, you are so creative and you're so deep thinking. I'm saying this to the creators and even the viewers and so um, uh, honest in ways that so many people aren't. Um, be consistent hmm. uh, in, in what you do. Um, And what I mean by that is uh, stop saying that there is no meaning and then spend an entire show looking and exploring meaning. So my curse of the week is, uh, is my blessing of the week is Rick and Morty because it's amazing. And my curse of the week is Rick and Morty because I want them to actually listen to that still small voice in their soul that keeps on pushing them to write episodes where the characters and the entire arc is looking for meaning. So there's my blessing curse of the week.
0: That is fantastic. By the way, Dan Harmon, Anybody who works on Rick and Morty, if you want to come on our show and tell us why we're wrong and we have our heads up <laughs> on butts, please do so. We would love the heck out of that. So just saying. And if you guys would like us to have any of those people on our show, you know, tag them on Twitter, convince them that they should be on our show. We would love that. But <laughs> anywho, shooting for the moon, shooting for the moon here. Anywho, so I will do... Uh, so blessing cursing of the week really like that. I'm going to go in the opposite direction and say the something we're talking about here about, you know, finding meaning in small things in everyday life. One of the things I, I finally, it's so funny. My mom is always the person who like tells me, you know, Hey, you should check this out. And so like, I'm, I'm following her culturally in weird ways. Sometimes She got me. Into- hey,
1: moms know what's up, man.
0: Seriously, yes, yes, they do. I mean, like, the sheep my mom got me into both Seinfeld and Phineas and Ferb. So, you know, she's, she's hey. very culturally enlightened. In any case, um, she was the one who, like, really pushed me to watch uh, John Krasinski's Some Good News show, which is fantastic. It's a show that he started during the uh, quarantine on YouTube that's just, uh, you know, looking at all of the good things that are happening in the world. Because, you know, our news cycle, because, you know... We're built, you know, to respond more to negative emotion than positive emotion. Most people are trying to get clicks with negative news, and that just makes you think the world is worse than it is. Uh, and you know, just having this program that's some good news—that's that's essentially, you know, it's a comedic show and it's also just a really wonderful show that reminds you and puts a highlight on the good things—is something that I really, uh, really it. and it's a great antidote for all of the, you know all of the Rick and Morty and afterlife I've been watching recently too. Uh, It's a really, (laughs) really nice antidote for that. Um, I will say my curse is, and this is, I'm being a little bit edgy with this also for a particular reason. Um, The movie Killing Them Softly, which is on Netflix. I watched that this week where uh, it's, you know, it's about a a show that's, it's, you know, about kind of trying to be Reservoir Dogs-ish, I think. But it's about you know criminals who steal from criminals, and then it destroys the criminal economy. And oh no, while the, I know, yeah, while that's going on, they're always playing news clips about you know the financial crisis and how you know and, and George W. Bush saying, oh, we have to bail out the banks and stuff like that. And so it's this. And I, I honestly, I'm going to be honest, I didn't finish watching it just because it was so bad. And so and
1: <laughs> maybe got really good in the last five and minutes. That's
0: the thing. If anybody has seen you know, killing softly. And it is not this overt film student's idea of parallel metaphors of, oh, you know, see, the criminal empire, it's just like the American financial system. And like, that's as deep as it goes. If it goes deeper than that and more interesting than that, let me know and perhaps I will retract my curse. But for the meantime, any movie, I have like can count like three movies that have been bad enough that I've stopped watching it in the middle of it. If any movie that's that bad, has that bad, uh, you know, halfway through is, you know, I'm gonna curse, so.
1: But do you know what you didn't stop watching in the middle? What? You didn't stop watching Trolls World Tour. So (laughs) yes, I'm dragging that back up.
0: Yes, because this was worse than Trolls World Tour. (laughs) That's how it
1: man uh real quick i do want to say we now are totally official and have an email uh mm-hmm. so you can write us all of your love letters or your hate mail to the real at gmail.com um we love getting letters we love reading what you guys are saying and uh even the ones that hate us and are telling what we're saying is wrong we love reading those too uh Especially so please
0: still want attention right now we're small enough that like even <laughs> yeah. if you, say you hate us we love that
1: we have two big egos to feed so please yes. <laughs> keep those letters coming
0: that's fantastic yes so tell me about if they want to email or they want to look at you specifically what could what's your website what have you got going on
1: so you can find me on all the socials to search my name nathan clarkson and you can also get to my website at nathanclarkson.me
0: awesome and do you have a new book out by any chance
1: I do have a new book out. came out uh, very recently. It's called Good Man. And uh, so I literally wrote the book on becoming a good man. Uh, But I think it has a a unique twist uh, that you hopefully haven't read other places um, that you might enjoy reading. So please check that out if you get a chance.
0: Fantastic. You can also find me in all the places. Just search Joseph Holmes. And my website is overthinkingfilms.com, where I do this only more so and that's i think it for today thank you so much for joining me again nathan
1: well it's good to be here and thank you for having
0: me absolutely and uh till next time guys remember if it's worth thinking about it's worth overthinking about